Hello, friends. Welcome to the Industrial Marketing Show, the number one podcast for marketers in the manufacturing space. I am one of your hosts, Matthew Shanella. And I am MJ Peters. All right, MJ, today we have lined up, we're going to talk um, YouTube ads, uh, specifically Google ads, Google video ads, but YouTube ads, which um, I think are for industrial, one of the most really cost-effective ways you could do advertising. And uh, I think um, a route that a lot of industrial marketers maybe don't think about as ways to get some stretch out of their video and something that I was able to use in my time at Binzel to pretty good effect and I'm doing with a couple of clients right now and I've been liking what I've been seeing. So there's my tip for the episodes. I'm going to hand it off to you for a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We also used YouTube ads at Firetrace. Um, I think it's it's a very specific kind of ad. You know, it's um, there, there's no attribution on it. <laughs> so um, uh, it's really kind of a brand awareness play in terms of how we've used it in the past. Um, obviously, there's opportunities because uh, you've got video as the primary medium and, uh, you know, you've got a pretty highly engaged audience if, if you're placing it mid-roll. I think there's some things to talk about in terms of pre-roll versus mid-roll and the length of the video you're using that we can unpack. Yeah. Um, but Matt, why don't we just start off with why, why YouTube for industrial specifically? All right. So anyone who's listened to a lot of these episodes of ours, I think we've, we've talked to Todd Klauser and we've, we've reviewed uh, Banks Engineering's uh, unboxing videos. And I think one of the things we just keep kind of coming around to as a conclusion is YouTube is a really good channel for industrial. Now, it's a really good channel for consumption. It's a really good one for engagement. I can also tell you internally at Gorilla, every one of my content of our content managers use YouTube for research on industrial products and processes because of the visual aid that comes with it. And some industrial companies do a really nice job with their organic YouTube strategy. So. I think using YouTube ads in the first place is because a lot of your target market is spending time there to watch videos on how to do stuff or learn about stuff that they don't know about because most people are visual learners and YouTube is the ultimate visual learning tool that exists. So the reason to use YouTube ads is because people are there. And I think we've had multiple episodes where we've described how people have used YouTube effectively. And I just think it lends itself credence that your audience in some way, shape or form is likely on YouTube. Do you have a, do you have an, uh, an addendum to that? Well, we've, we've spent a lot of time on this show talking about organic YouTube. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And then we've also spent separately a lot of time talking about like paid strategies versus organic strategies on social media. But I don't think we've ever gotten into paid YouTube versus, oh, I don't think we've really gotten into paid YouTube in any detail at all, but how no, does YouTube differ from organic and, and how should you be thinking about whether paid or organic is the right strategy for your company on YouTube? So I think for, to think about that, I would, I would look at, look at your landscape, look at your competitors, look at keyword research, which you can look at using third-party tools um, and also just talking to your customers or looking also at um, looking at YouTube channels that specialize in your sort of uh, marketplace. So when I think about welding, for instance, which I continuously go back to because that's my background, um, you know, weld.com and welding tips and tricks and WeldTube were all massive, massive YouTube channels with 
hundreds of thousands of hundreds of thousands of subscribers. And if you look at other channels around machining or things like that, there's there's very obvious channels where your market goes to educate themselves on products and processes and stuff. And you are never organically probably going to quite get that kind of right reach or traction. But knowing what terms they use and what sort of keywords they're optimizing for within their, their own organic YouTube strategy can give you a lot of intel to have a strong um, YouTube ad strategy. And so the reason why you would do YouTube advertising is to get in front of those people that you would otherwise have trouble working with unless you were to also work with co-marking initiatives with channels like that. Or similarly, if you have more well-established competitors in your space who have a good YouTube channel and you want to get in front of them, similarly, you can target around those companies as well to make sure that your ad appears as a product consideration alternative to whatever it is they're looking at. Right. So it's just really like any of the other channels, right? Like you, there's an engaged customer base. They spend time there. So how do we figure out the most uh, effective and efficient, both time efficient and cost efficient way of getting our message to resonate on these channels? And as you say, um, the organic play can be an uphill battle if you're in a mature market when it comes to YouTube. So, um, you know, there's some upside to uh, paying to play. Uh, it's, it's an option that's on the table. So let's get into also, that. I, mean, I would also add like a good paid YouTube strategy can definitely help your organic YouTube as well. So like if you have really good paid YouTube ads, it will give you a lift in your organic as long as you have a good organic YouTube video strategy to complement it. Absolutely. Um, tell me about what the options are for YouTube advertising and what you see as the pros and cons. Uh, let me let me get into uh, a couple things around cost and budgeting and expectation setting, I think, first. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Let's do yeah, it. Okay. So uh, I do want to talk about like... I think YouTube advertising in general is like a very is very cost effective, which is another reason why I like it a lot. When you can spend, I think a lot of people look at, well, YouTube advertising is going to cost me like Google ads, like search ads, right? It's going to cost three, four bucks a view, similar to what I'm doing with Google ads per click. And that's not the case. Um, video is a fractionally way more, way more inexpensive. And you pay somewhere around, you know, three to seven cents a view on average. And so reasonably speaking, you could smartly budget about $200 to $500 a month and do pretty well on YouTube ads, which is a much lower investment than what you would typically be budgeting for yourself to advertise on channels like Facebook or LinkedIn or Google, depending on what the co average cost per click is for your industry. So one of the reasons why I like YouTube a lot is because it's a very cost-effective ad platform to advertise on. Drawback of that not direct attribution. You are not going to see conversions from YouTube ads. And you're going to have to do some you know, investigative work to figure out whether your YouTube ads influence people in the way that you wanted them to, either by using how did you hear about us um, fields on your contact form or just uh, training your sales rep to ask a little bit about how do you heard about us or where you learned about the product in their discovery calls with clients. And so, you know, yeah, that's legwork, but it will at least give you some validation as to the investment. Um, so when you talk to your executive or your VP of sales about how I want to do YouTube ads, like, you know, you have to level set expectations when it comes to that. But from a cost efficiency standpoint, you do get a lot of bang for your buck uh, doing YouTube ads. 
Okay. Now I genuinely don't know the answer to this. Can you use custom conversions on YouTube ads the same way that you do on Google ads? Like with um, like contact form submissions versus quote, quote requests and stuff like that. Yeah. Like if somebody has a view through on your, on your ad and then there's like a attribution window and they submit a, a demo request, is that something you can do with YouTube? You used to be able to do it with Facebook, but not anymore because of iOS 14. Oh man, I believe the answer to that is yes, but I, I know I know that's true for search, um, yes. and I want to say it's also true for video. In fact, I'm I'm pretty positive it is true for YouTube ads. Yes, yeah, um, so one option, I guess. Uh, clearly, Matt and I are not experts on how to set that up, but uh, it's something you could look into that might help alleviate some of the attribution question marks. Yeah, for sure. So uh, let's go back to your original question, which you were asking about setup. Yeah. So, I mean, there's pre-roll and there's mid-roll. There's, um, and then there's different content you can slot in there. I think it's 15 seconds, 30 seconds, 60 seconds. How do you think about the trade-offs of those different options and, and select what you're going to run on YouTube? I think the decision of length is going to depend on how good your video is. Um, I think no matter what, like you could, the it's, it's the same thing like with anything when it comes to demand gen, right? Like you make content specific for the channel. And so your long, cool explainer video on your, you know, new CNC cutting machine isn't going to fly as a really good YouTube ad because it's just going to move a little too slow for the audience and it's not going to feel like something that's going to draw them in. And so I think with YouTube, the length of the ad is important, but it's the quality of content you have within that video that resonates, I think, even more. And, you know, I'm not a shorter is better person, but for most people that I think we're talking to, you're not going to have a you're not going to have enough unless you have a really good videographer who can cut it up real fast with good transitions and communicate a good story. Um, I think you're mostly looking at that 15 to 30 second range for videos. Normally, um, it's also just how much I think how long I think you can expect to grab someone's attention with with the with the video. The first three to four seconds are so crucial. And so pro tip and constant mistake I see on YouTube ads are people who put the slide card in to start the YouTube ad with like, you know, um, this machine company presents dot, da dot, da da. And it's like, you, it's, you take three seconds to introduce your company and like what the, what's going to be after the slide deck card when you should just eschew that and just go right into the content immediately because people are just going to tune that out because it's, it's an ad that's going to look like an ad and, and they're, and they're, and they're just going to tune that out. So um, in terms of the mid roll pre roll question, um, I usually go towards pre roll normally because I think mid roll people are more likely to just want to skip through because they're already in the middle of the content they're watching. They're more engaged in it. They're going to look at it more like they would look at watching TV. And so they're just like, whoop, zip right through it. Um, so I, I definitely gravitate more towards pre-roll if I have a choice regarding placement. Um, one thing you want to make sure when you choose a uh, video ad, always choose a skippable in-stream ad. Do not choose um, ads that are on that like side card, side menu for like suggested videos. You will never, ever, ever get a click through and you will waste a lot of your budget doing that. So you get a choice on your video ad, always choose skippable in-stream because that is the pre-roll and the mid-roll stuff, uh, mid videos that um, will definitely get shown and, and people are more likely to watch that content. Yeah, that's a great pro tip. Um, I, I think the only YouTube ad we ever ran at Firetrace was like a 
an ad that was using that footage, Matt, that I think you've probably seen of the machine bursting into flames. And yeah. The, and then the suppression system putting it out, it's like, hey, we have our value prop in three seconds in video format. I'm going to boost this to everyone who is possibly relevant on YouTube. Right. Absolutely. And like, I think there's another question like, oh, I don't have like good voiceover. Or, oh, I don't have this. Like, hey, you know, I, I've seen this video that you've had multiple times, MJ. And like, if you have a really good sort of caption story that tells it with some with a decent, decent music overlay, that's going to work. It's, it's, it's what they're watching that's important. Um, as long as as long as what you show them shows the the benefit of of your product, um, that's going to be fine. That's going to resonate. So when you grab them immediately with a fire in the machine, you know, it doesn't really matter what you're saying because they're they're watching this happen in real time, right? Yeah, honestly, I don't even think that video has any sound. No, it doesn't. Oh, it doesn't even have sound. But it, you did caption it, right? You were like, you know, in 2020, this thing caught on fire. Da 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 da. Correct. Yeah, no, we um, we had this freelancer. He totally came up with this, not us. So he he basically edited it, and it was like fires happen unexpectedly. Put them out in five, four, three, two, one. And as the counter is counting down, the fire is going out, and it's out after five seconds. It was just really brilliant editing by him. Um, so if you've got if you could find kind of a creative person like that and and get them to do a little freelance work for you, um, and just tell them, hey, this is this is a context I'm going to put this in and they can come up with something for you. And I agree. Like, I just don't think the voiceover or the music is that important. I think it's all about the visuals. Yeah, for sure. And look, if you have good raw video, find someone talented to, to mold it for you. Like, look, I have this good, I have a lot of good shots in this raw video, but I haven't, haven't really made anything that's like a commercial per se. And when, I remember when I did YouTube ads at my, <laughs> at Benzel, I, I went to my president. And I was like, look, th think of this as our foray into, into TV commercials. And essentially like that, that kind of, for them, that was like, okay, I see that. Like the light bulb kind of went on for him when I, when I, when I positioned the, positioned the program like that. And then I was able to show him like, look at all our people who are on YouTube and just look at, we're getting three cents of view for this, for our welding gun. That's $400 that I can never possibly advertise this on LinkedIn and get any kind of traction or any, or any hope of positive ROI on. So um, for me, it was a, uh, for me, that was the way that I positioned it. And, and they found that. And my president definitely was interested in, in that sort of uh, story. Yeah. The other thing that I think is really interesting is like, I, I feel like um, many manufacturing CEOs like vaguely are on the video train, right? Yeah. Like they want to they get more out of video. And a lot of manufacturing industries are like, very visually stimulating, you know, like Super visually stimulating. Yeah. Bringing the value prop home with, with video, it, it just makes sense. Right. But um, I think the picture you have to paint for your execs is like, you might spend two grand making a video and like 200 people ever see it. Right. Mm -hmm. If you put five grand behind that video in terms of distribution, 50,000 people will see it. So that $2,000 investment is either completely worthless, basically, or you you make it go way further than it otherwise would and really get, get your money's worth out of video. So um, it's just one way to like frame up the importance of content distribution and not just content creation. 100%. All right, I want to I want to roll into a couple other considerations regarding YouTube ads for the audience. So, yeah. you've decided to do skippable in-stream ads, okay? You've done, you know, you have your video, it's all ready to go, right? All right, so you get a choice when you choose YouTube video ads, either do influence consideration or ad sequence. 
always choose influence consideration. Biggest reason why ad sequence for YouTube is like, you're going to show multiple video ads in like a sequence and you get a couple choices of how you want to sequence those ads out. But the big limitation to ad sequencing is you cannot target with keywords. You have to use audience segments. And so when you do that, you limit who sees it and why. So when you get a choice choice between influence consideration and ad sequence, choose influence consideration because that's going to give you the ability to target via keywords. And I will get to why that's important in a minute. Um, there's a couple of things you get to choose when you get into the YouTube ad. You can choose like household income or demographics. So I, as a best practice, turn off 18 to 24, unless unless they're my obviously my buyer, but I usually never, ever turn on 18 to 24. I, I turn it off for my Google ads as well because I know most of my buyers are, you know, 30 to 55 and so, or 60. So I just, it's just, to me, it's a waste of, it's a waste of ad spend. Household income, I, I usually turn off bottom 50%, but I haven't seen it uh, have much of an impact either way. Um, I would say if you keep it on and then go look in your demographics reporting and, and see how much it gets shown and see if you like the kind of consumption metrics that you get from it. But I typically don't do that. Uh, I'd usually just turn off bottom 50%. I will note on the, on the household income choice, it's only available um, in like the US or Mexico, um, not available if you're doing countries like Canada. So it doesn't apply to every country. Um, audience segment. So I usually do not choose audience segments. I think it's a bit of a trap um, because then basically you're letting Google sort of choose who it gets delivered to um, without really um, exerting any control over the delivery of your advertising. So if you choose a really broad specialty like manufacturing, it's going to show to anybody <laughs> who is in the manufacturing sector as, 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 Google, as Google sees it. And so similarly, if you were to do audience segment plus keywords, you may narrow your audience so much that you'll limit who it gets shown to because maybe people who are searching for it, Google doesn't identify it as part of that segment. So um, my recommendation, my strong recommendation is to approach Google ads similar to how you would approach uh, YouTube ads, similar to how you approach Google ads, which is using keywords. Um, there's a, one of the traps I think is also easy to fall in is to advertise on your competitors' channels um, that rarely works. And I will tell you why that rarely works. It's because you can choose to advertise on all your competitors' channels. The big, the big fail in that is most of your competitors' channels are not big enough and don't get enough views for your ads to ever get delivered. Or you can choose a bunch of different channels and Google's going to bias towards one channel overwhelmingly. And so you're not going to get shown on other channels. There's not going to be this even stratification of, of content of, of advertising delivery across all those different channels. So it's attractive. It looks sexy to say, I'm going to go target you know, my competitor's channel, but it's a trap. Do not fall into it. Try it for yourself, but it's never worked for me. I've always seen it skew highly towards one channel over another. That was a, a lot of rapid fire, very good tips. I think that'll help people get off the ground running, um, get hit the ground running, not get off the ground running. The ground. I, got, I got one more thing on, uh, on, on YouTube ads as well. That cool, I'll, yeah. I'll Bring it on. And then, and then I want to wrap us with one last question that I think will be interesting. Okay, cool. So I think another thing to consider is because YouTube ads are, are so inexpensive to run, you can actually get really creative with your ad groups on YouTube ads. And so when you're thinking about ways to organize campaigns, let's say you have, 
you know, you have a couple different ads you want to run. Let me, let's just say you have one for the for the sake of this argument. Um, and you want to target, you want coverage for competitors, geography, or the product or solution term. And so my recommendation is to make combinations of these things um, in order to get the delivery that you want. So if I want to target my main competitor and I want to target the Canadian marketplace, so I'm going to make sure I get coverage in Canada against my competitor, do that and give it five bucks a day, six bucks a day, eight bucks a day. If I want to do the same in the US and give it 20 bucks a day, I can do that. Um, and then if I want to do product and solution term plus geography, I can do that as well. So mix and match um, sort of competitor keywords plus geography plus product and solution keywords and vary up your ad your ad groups so you can ensure you get delivery across a bunch of different sort of uh, spectrums and demographics. Yeah, that's a that's a great tip. Um, so I want to zoom out here to to end the episode, and I'm curious, Matt. I see Google search as like a channel that pretty much everybody must be on, right? Like even if you're not spending a ton of money on Google search, like there probably is some value for you there. It's like a table stakes kind of channel, um, or it's just a channel where you can secretly win that your competitors don't know how to use if you're in a very under mature market in terms of digital, but like Google search is, is table stakes. Um, how do you see YouTube? Do you see it as a channel where everyone should be, or do you see it as more of like, this could be an experiment to try for your business? Um, I see it as an under leveraged ad channel for a lot of people because, and I think I look your, your boss, Chris talks about this all the time, but the reason why people, you know, dismiss uh, YouTube ads is because the attribution on it's poor. And so, I, I, you know, I mean, I think you can see how many people consume it. And if you have a good tight strategy going into YouTube ads, you're going to know that it's impactful. But um, I think people get hung up on the attribution side of it. And so they don't want to do it. When in reality, when you think about what you spend on YouTube ads vis-a-vis -vis what you spend to advertise in your main magazine every month, which is three to $9,000, uh, putting 500 bucks a month towards YouTube is a freaking drop in the bucket and would get you way more exposure, in my opinion. So I, I do agree to a large degree that Google search ads are table stakes. I think there are exceptions when the cost per click is exceedingly high versus the cost of your product. So fume extraction, I think, is one of those cases where the cost per click, I believe, is somewhere around $15 to $25. And then the average deal, the average deal size is going to be somewhere around twenty-five to forty thousand dollars, and so that gets a little dicey to me, um, especially if there's no like guarantee of recurring revenue. But there are, I think, I do think by and large it is table stakes. I think a lot of people make the mistake on Google Ads again of doing broad match or keeping the casting the net way too wide, and there's a lot of waste there. And also not utilizing what you see in Google ads and translating it into your organic strategies. And so what I mean by that, and I just had this happen uh, today, you know, we were looking at doing a homepage revamp for one of our clients and I was looking through Google ads and I was looking at, they had, they had 15 conversions this month on about $1,500 worth of ad spend and their average machine price is $300,000. So we did really well for them. Um, so I was looking through the terms by which they were, that were converting the terms that I was targeting. And I looked through the homepage. And I was like, we don't use any of these terms on the homepage, you know? And so I went to my UX lead and was like, look, these are the places we have conversions, the terms we're converting for. And we don't say it anywhere on the homepage. It has to change when we do this homepage refresh. And so use your Google ads to help inform what you're doing on your homepage 
for your, you know, direct traffic in your organic search, because people who are searching for you on Google ads, they're also going to find you in organic and are going to expect a similar user experience. Uh, I went on a tangent there. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. Um, I, I think you made a couple of good points there. Um, you know, when I say Google search is, is table stakes, sometimes that literally just means you need to have 80 to 90% coverage on branded search. Right? Yes, you, no, you do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You do. It's um, a reason that you have to pay to Google. Um, the other thing that I will add, if you're considering whether YouTube ads is the right channel for your business, is that if this is the right channel for your business, it, it's going to um, dictate what your team looks like. So if um, if the main channel you're putting paid dollars behind is uh, paid social and you're running a lot of you know product marketing ads, then maybe you're going to need a lot of design and copywriting help. Same thing if you're running a lot of uh, paid social promotion to blog posts, right? You're going to need a, a content marketer to produce that that content that you're promoting. Um, usually, those people have a background in in writing. Um, by contrast, if if you're going all in on YouTube ads, you may end up having to make video a full time role on your staff. So just think about the implications of that. Like you need to feed the content machine to run paid successfully, and I think. A lot of companies probably aren't anticipating the fact that they might need video in-house. It seems almost like a luxury hire because they're outsourcing it today. Um, but that, that that could have serious implications for how you build out your marketing team. Yeah, I think, I mean, if you're if you're knocking in-house, then I think you should at least have someone on retainer to do it for you so you have consistency over time. Um, so, you know, don't look at videos as one-off projects. Look for someone to build a long-term relationship with uh, to be part of your video strategy. And if you hire a good videographer while they're on retainer or in-house, they're not just going to shoot stuff and edit it for you. They're actually going to strategize on the content by and large and make sure you get the video that you're looking for. I can safely tell you that from working with my own videographer in-house that gorilla, um, Nick Taconi, who's just a fabulous, fabulous videographer because he thinks about it big picture. And then once he gets in the trenches, he does his thing, but it's very strategic the way he looks at it. And I'm sure your experience at Refine is very similar with videographers that you guys have worked with. Yeah, um, definitely. When and when David takes a bunch of video of Chris uh, and he's cutting it into a vlog, he's got the the storyline is uh, in his head playing out right as he edits everything together. Yeah, so. it's 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 just the same as like someone who writes really great blogs. Like they they think they they think about it, they research, they outline, they plan, and then once it and then they shoot and then it becomes pretty pretty processized once they once they get it because they already know what they're going to be building awesome all right so so youtube um interesting strategy probably less attributable than paid search but um you know still that very interesting opportunity to target around keywords think uh carefully about what kind of content you're putting on this platform and don't fall into any of the traps, uh, such as uh, you know the placement trap, you want to make sure you're placing in stream skippable and not in some of those other formats that just you know will waste your budget. So lots of takeaways here, um, and I feel like that's a good place to wrap. So Matt, why don't we uh, why don't we say goodbye to all those? Say goodbye. I agree. Uh, you can catch the Industrial Marketing Show on all the major co- podcasting platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and Google. Subscribe, leave a review. Leave us a comment. We got a wonderful comment by Darren um, this past week. And uh, just I, would, I just love getting those sorts of messages. So appreciate everyone who 
uh, not only listens to the show, but reaches out. Cause like, I just, I just love getting those comments and just appreciate them so much. So um, yeah, uh, leave, a, um, leave a written review, give us your feedback, let us know how good we are, or how good we're not. If you have topic suggestions or things you're struggling with and you want us to pontificate on them, we'd be more than happy to. So if you have any ideas, like, you know, bring them our way, we would love to certainly knock heads on it. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back again next week with another episode. We got a couple guests, I think coming up soon as well. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about. So with that, um, I am Matt and I am MJ. And this is the Industrial Marketing Show. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day.